from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, the Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council. And hard to believe not only is it Friday, it's December 1st. Where in the world has the year gone? But happy December to you, and I'm celebrating with a festive Christmas tie. For those of you can see, wishing each of you the greatest of Decembers and Merry Christmas for you and your family coming ahead. But we've got a packed program lined up coming your way. Let's begin with this clip. On this vote, the yeas are 311, the nays are 114, with two recorded as present. Two-thirds voting in the affirmative, the resolution is adopted and a motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. Wow, a significant vote there. That was, of course, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson announcing the congressional vote today to expel New York Congressman George Santos. That is the first time in more than 20 years and the on, only the sixth time in our nation's history that a member of the House of Representatives has been expelled from the chamber. I'll be talking about that with Maryland Congressman Andy Harris here in just a little while. And we will also be discussing how House Republicans are in the midst of an effort to secure the southern border and end the immigration chaos that President Biden's policies have created. And speaking of chaos, crime continues to soar in many of America's cities, highlighting the growing need for effective and professional law enforcement officers. But a progressive view of criminal justice has led to a mass exodus of some of the finest law enforcement personnel that the country has, particularly in many of our blue cities. Sergeant Clyde Boatwright, he's the president of the Fraternal Order of Police at the Maryland State Lodge. He will be joining me later in the program to break down this extremely troubling situation. And the left continues to attack Christians who dare to enter the arena to engage in the political process, whether they scare them by using terms like Christian nationalism or uh, theocracy, whatever it may be, the left's tactics remain the same. We saw this clearly after the election of Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House, uh, but FRC's Meg Kilgannon will explain that the left will come after even a member of a local school board for her Christian faith. So you want to stay tuned for that later in the program. And then Chad Connolly, founder of Faith Wins, he also just today has earned a special hit piece on himself for his involvement in politics. He'll join us again later in the program to explain why the left continues this course of attack on Christians. You don't want to miss any part of it. We have a packed program, but if by chance any portion of this program is missed, you can always catch it by going to our website, which of course is TonyPerkins.com. TonyPerkins.com, be sure to keep that handy. Tons of resources there available for you, as well as archived programs. It has been a busy, busy week in Congress, and all of that wrapped up today. Negotiations are still ongoing regarding President Biden's request for emergency spending for Ukraine, uh, which many Republicans are insisting must be coupled with increased security for our own southern border. So that, that battle is ongoing. It is intensifying, and really, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. This is going to come to a major showdown in the House of Representatives, and we're going to be keeping a pulse on this here in just a few moments. Uh, as I mentioned, Congressman Andy Harris is going to be joining me with that. Uh, but before we get there, as many of you also are keenly aware, the war in Israel uh, between Israel and Hamas has yet again taken off, and with a great deal of uh, venom and fierceness, and as, as we all expected. But this war is also impacting a lot here in our own country. 
Uh, we mentioned it briefly yesterday, uh, but just a, a, an, an example, the Rockefeller Center, where we have the traditional lighting of the Christmas tree, was grossly interrupted yesterday uh, and uh, by protesters of Hamas. So this also, look, we've got so much that's taking place right now in our country, both here within our country uh, and across the sea, and what that is impacting here in our country as well. So we're going to try to get to as much of this as we can. But first, let me uh, bring in Andy Harris. Uh, he is uh, standing by with us right now. Of course, he represents the 1st Congressional District of Maryland. Congressman Harris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you, my friend. Good to be with you tonight. All right. Well, uh, look, we've got a lot to discuss. There's so much happening in Congress. Uh, this has been an incredibly busy week, uh, and I want to get to as much of it as we possibly can. But let's start with the big news of the day. George Santos was expelled from Congress. This is only the uh, third time since, I believe, the 1860s that something like this has happened. Uh, let's begin. Just give me your reactions to it all. Well, I think we set a bad precedent today. Uh, look, I'm not going to judge whether Mr. Santos is guilty or not, what he did or not. But to uh, the, the precedent has been since the Civil War that you only are expelled once you're convicted of the crime, not just indicted, not just accused, but convicted. Uh, I'm not sure what the rush was. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that he's a duly elected representative. Uh, that's why I voted not to expel him. I don't think we should set that I think a fairly dangerous precedent that an indictment is enough to override the uh, desires of your congressional district, of those voters. Because right now, I have to tell you, 750,000 people in his district are disenfranchised for several months as they do not have an elected representative. I don't think that's the role of the House of Representatives, to overrule the decision of the uh, citizens, in this case, of the 3rd District of New York. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a frightful precedent that's been established. We talked about this a little bit yesterday on the program. And, you know, I, and well, like you, I am not at all defending or supporting him or any of the alleged behavior or activity, criminal or otherwise, that he may have been involved in. But still, the the due process of waiting until a person is convicted of a crime just seems like the the proper approach here, and, and I certainly agree with you. If I can, Congressman, let, let's, let's go on, because so much more happening in Washington. Uh, give us an update on the negotiations, uh, specifically on conditions uh, for spending uh, for Ukraine and an overhaul of, of border security. Uh, where do we stand on all of this? Well, I think Speaker Johnson has taken the right position, which is you separate out Ukraine from the rest of that omnibus uh, foreign relations spending bill. And uh, I think he wants to, in, in some way, manage to tie it to border security. So, first of all, take out all the non-military Ukraine funding. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, we make good weaponry. Uh, the Ukrainians need weaponry, but all the humanitarian and civil support really should come from Europe. Uh, once you get that, you get it down to about 15 to 20 billion. If you can tie strict border security to that, we will save way more than that uh, by securing our border. So, uh, again, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a tight needle to thread, but I think uh, Speaker Johnson is trying to thread it. It's not going to happen this year. It'll probably happen in January. You know, the clock is running out this year, uh, but I think, I think we'll get to that point. Well, that's encouraging to hear. You know, one question that I hear a lot, and I'd really love your opinion, is even if we get border security, Place in here, the, a big question that constantly comes is is whether or not the Biden administration will actually enforce the border laws that that you may pass. Uh, what what do you think of that? Well, that's why the only way it's going to pass through the House is, is if we put metrics in and we tie the release of any funding to Ukraine in, in tranches and aliquots. We tie it to achievable metrics at the border uh, where we have to certify that, yes, you know, we, we not only put in these new role, uh, rules and laws in place, but they're being enforced and that illegal border crossings and requests for asylum and parole into the United States, all of that is decreasing and brought down, ultimately, we hope within a year, to the Trump levels. Yeah, you know, having those metrics, I think, are, are critical. Is there any way, I mean, you're, you're on appropriations, powerful committee. Is there any way perhaps that funding for Ukraine or other places could be tied to specific reductions in illegal border crossings? Has that been discussed? 
Uh, it certainly has been. And it's funny, there are people in Washington who say, well, it, you know, it can't be done. But you know, because you were in Congress, uh, we are the legislature. We write the law. If that's what we want to have done, to tie it, release of funding to metrics of, uh, about decreases in border uh, crossings, we certainly can. And I hope we'll set the president, and we certainly will. Well, I certainly hope so as well. This is something that is so far overdue. And I'm so grateful that, that uh, each of you and your colleagues continue to push for this. You know, I'm actually hearing that there's some Democrats, both on the state level as well as federal, who are beginning to themselves plead for border security. Uh, what are you hearing from Senate Democrats? Uh, so many of them are objecting to uh, things that are on the table. What, what's, what are you hearing from them right now? Well, we certainly know that those uh, Senate Democrats who are up for election in swing states, and there are several of them, uh, on whom the uh, Democrat majority depends, uh, they're running scared about the border right now because the border is out of control. All America knows that no matter how many times Joe Biden and uh, Secretary Mayorkas get up, look into the camera and say the border is secure, it's not a problem, every American knows it is because it's now affecting every community. And, of course, the fentanyl has been affecting American communities for years. Uh, they can't get away with it anymore. And I think we have a growing number of Democrats who say enough is enough. And I think if we if we tie this uh, package together right, we will have uh, Democrat support. Yeah, I don't see it just seems to me if it doesn't get done now, I don't know when it can get done because so many Democrats, as you mentioned, uh, governors and mayors, major uh, cities and states that are, are suffering under the consequences of these horrible uh, border policies of the Biden administration now seems to be the time to get it done. You mentioned uh, Secretary May Mayorkas. Uh, you know, he, he did say the border is secure, operationally secure, I believe were his exact words. Has has he made any about face to those comments or is he still digging in even with Democrats saying secure the border? It's not secure. No, uh, I mean, again, they, <clears throat> they're living in a make-believe world where they think this border is secure or they think they can uh, convince the American people that it is. The American people know much better. Uh, that's why I think uh, Mr. Mayorkas might actually uh, be impeached before President Biden will be impeached because the case is being laid out very systematically against him by uh, Mr. Green from, uh, from Tennessee, who is the chairman of the uh, Homeland Security Committee. And he's laying out the case for how Mr. Mayorkas has abjectly uh, not done what the Constitution said he would should do and what he swore to do under the Constitution, which is to uphold the laws of the United States. He's not doing it. Our border is overrun. Millions of people here who should not be here. And uh, again, it's going to it's going to come to an end uh, because I think we now are getting a critical mass of Democrats to agree with us. Congressman Andy Harris, uh, let me let you go with this real quick thought. Uh, coming up a little bit later in the program, Chad Codley is going to be joining me. He is one being accused of being uh, uh, in favor of political theocracy. You've been in Washington a while. Uh, is Washington, D.C. anywhere close to a theocracy? <laughs> uh, well, no. Look, I mean, the bottom line is, are there men of are there men of uh, religion uh, in Washington? Yeah, our, our new speaker is one. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. Uh, but we are not a theocracy. Uh, that's not the principles America's founded on. We're founded on freedom of religion. And that, of Absolutely. course, goes against any that goes against any anyone who would say we're a Gotta theocracy. Got to leave it there, Clearly, Congressman. We believe now. Thank Friends, you. Stay tuned. Much more straight ahead. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Jody Heiss, glad to be here with you, and thank you for entrusting this time to Washington Watch. All right, a recent New York Post headline literally screamed some very alarming news. They said NYPD cops are leaving the force at an alarming rate. In fact, over 2,500 law enforcement personnel turned in their badges just so far this year in 2023 in New York City. And the truth is New York City is not the only blue city that's facing a deficit in law enforcement personnel. There's also cities like Chicago and Portland. Uh, they're seeing the same, the same kind of depletion of police forces. And many of the officers are leaving for departments that are uh, in the suburbs where it's a more friendly environment and where prosecutors actually stand up for them and go after the criminals. So uh, what all is going on this? There was another article that the headline I saw uh, puts a stark chill on the spine of all of us. If you look at this, it basically said that good cops are fleeing because of progressive policies. And as a result, this is opening the door for unqualified candidates to enter the police force. That's quite a chilling thought. Well, joining me now to break this down further is Sergeant Clyde E. Boatwright. He's the president of the Maryland State Lodge of the Fraternal Order of Police. Sergeant Boatwright, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you so much for joining us. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Well, it is our privilege. And just from the very beginning, let me say thank you for all that you have done and continue to do in behalf of keeping America safe. But what are you seeing with regard to the left's attacks on officers, particularly blue cities, the policies in these cities uh, that are leading to a, literally a mass exodus of, of officers? Yeah, our police officers are fighting battles every day about whether or not to stay within the in this profession um, based off of some of the legislation that's been put forward, um, so some of the attacks on officers' pensions, uh, the um, the idea that all police officers and, and are, are in some ways racist, um, that far left-leaning um, rhetoric that our uh, elected officials uh, spew against our police officers are having people second-guessing whether or not they want to continue to stay in this profession. Yeah, it's really alarming to me. I mean, when I look at this, I see kind of two factors taking place. On the one hand, we are watching a depleted police force. 
On the other hand, we are seeing more and more people uh, who are calling for help, uh, the public calling for help because of crime and a variety of different things. And so a depletion of law enforcement and an increase of need. And in the midst of all this, how, how does uh, an exodus, if you will, of qualified officers open the door for those who perhaps are not fit to wear the badge to seep in to the system? Well, it's, there's the continuing of lowering of standards to attract uh, police officers. Uh, you know, officers should have good moral character, should be ethical in their actions and things like that. But now uh, there's a, a, a push to, like I said, lower standards to allow people that have a history of, of uh, smoking marijuana and things like that uh, to enter into our profession where in, in times past that was a disqualifying uh, factor for our uh, for people that want to become law enforcement officers. This is a real, real danger to our communities. The fact that we have a small pool of police officers and we're all picking from the same pool of qualified candidates. There are police departments all across the country that are struggling uh, to just attract people that want to be in this profession. And it's all simply because of the rhetoric that's being spilled by all the elected officials and the need for them to continue to push these um, these uh, wedges between police and communities. Boy, that's frightening. So it, uh, qualify for me what you mean when you say that this is a danger to the public to lower the standards, as you say. What kind of uh, uh, consequences, endangerment, uh, would you fear as the uh, standards are lowered for law enforcement personnel? Well, if you have, uh, if in our profession, we know that if there's drugs, drugs go along with guns. Drugs, guns usually go along with gangs. I fear uh, that we'll start to see uh, members that have uh, gang affiliation start to infiltrate our ranks. Uh, and, you know, it's up to our local police departments to do their due diligence with the background investigations to, to weed out people that possibly could have uh, gang affiliations and things like that. Because, again, if you lower the standards, there was a time that we couldn't be able to filter out people that have uh, uh, ill intentions and, and they will go through a background process and a screening uh, that would allow our uh, police departments to really, really pick the best and the brightest. But uh, at this point, our police departments are grabbing who they can get. Wow. And, you know, I personally, I don't see any good outcome to this other than turning it around. So uh, if you could speak to elected officials, uh, what would you say to them that they can do to uh, in terms of police retention, in terms of recruitment, in, in terms of helping what you and your colleagues deal with every day? What can elected officials do to help? Elected officials can stop the rhetoric that all cops are bad and that cops are, are, are um in a position that they're trying to harm our communities. If we stop the rhetoric, we can stand behind our police officers, give them the support they need, pay an actual living wage because our police officers have to work multiple jobs just to raise a family. So pay an actual living wage and stand behind your cops. Uh, we understand that, look, in policing, when you put your hands on someone, sometimes it's not pretty. Uh, and there has never been a time in our nation's history that our police officers have been under such a microscope. We have body cameras, there's surveillance cameras, there's uh, uh, pole cameras, uh, and there's in-car cameras. So police officers have a number of eyes on them, and they know that. And so what you need to do, what we need our elected officials to do is to stand behind our cops and say, you know what, our officer did not have any malice in his heart. Uh, again, when you put your hands on people, it sometimes looks bad, but our police officers have good intentions when they have an accountable for member of the public. Well, they certainly do. And, uh, you know, there are bad actors in any profession, uh, but the police uh, personnel, law enforcement personnel, the vast majority of them are awesome servants of the public. We need to hear more of their stories of heroism and goodwill that they do. Uh, and again, I, I just want to say thank you, Sergeant Clyde Boatwright, for your incredible service, and thank you for joining me today on Washington Watch. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you to your uh, listening audience and your viewership, your viewers. You're very welcome. All right, friends, the Legacy Media is at it again, going after Christians in politics. We've seen it before. We're seeing it only increase more and more. 
We'll bring that your way right after this break. Don't go anywhere. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heischer, Friday host. Welcome aboard. All right, as we have noted on this program a number of times, ever since the election of Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, the left has been working to vilify him in as many angles as they can find. Uh, They have attacked his faith. They have gone after him, literally to the point of saying that his faith disqualifies him from serving in the office. And in fact, nowadays, these hit pieces, if you will, on elected officials who are faithful Christians are almost a given. It's like if you are a Christian in politics, you are going to become a target these days. Well, there was another such piece that was recently targeting a guest that we have frequently had on the show, and that's Sonia Shaw, the president of the Chino Valley United School District, in fact, she's the, the president of that. And with me now to talk about the hit piece on her is FRC's Senior Fellow for Education Studies, Meg Kilgannon, who also served at the U.S. Department of Education in the Trump administration. Meg, thanks for joining me again. Always great to see you. Great to see you, Jody. I love that tie. Ah, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I have to get in the Merry spirit. Christmas. I can't believe it's already Christmas. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk about this hit piece on Sonia Shaw. Tell us about it. You know, the Los Angeles Times developed devoted a, a large number of words to uh, pondering how it has come to pass that a, um, you know, a, a, a Joan of Arc figure, as they referred to Sonia Shaw, has has come to be elected in to a school board. And um, it, it, it just, it beggars belief that, that it's such a problem when Christians are answering a call to serve. Um, we have a, a great history in this country of people of faith serving at all levels of government, doing all kinds of jobs, serving as captains of industry, doing all kinds of things in this country. It is the exception that someone who does not have religious faith would be serving in a leadership capacity in this country. And for some reason, the the media, uh, mainstream media, especially liberal media like the LA Times, wants to try to paint this as some kind of of a a crazed exception to to normalcy. And really, the opposite is true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think all of us who are Christians who are or have served uh, in uh, multiple different capacities uh, in public service uh, and politically, we are upset 
when we see things like this happen. But we are seeing more and more of it at, to the point that uh, we're really not shocked anymore by this type of stuff. Are you? No, no. And of course, her her great sin in their minds, of course, they're not religious, but they would they would condemn her of the great sin of of wanting to notify parents if a child declares an identity that is opposite their sex or they declare that they have a gender identity at school, that the school would notify the parents of that declaration within three days. And this this is a completely, utterly reasonable and minimal kind of partnering with parents that you would think any school system would be more than happy and hopeful and hopeful that the parents would be engaging with this child. You know, they would want the help of the parents with the with this kind of a situation because this is clearly outside the purview of education and is getting into the area of child rearing, which is our job as parents. Um, the fact that she's put this policy forward, that other school boards then followed suit in California and also put policies like this, common sense policy like this forward, that's really their problem with her. That's why she yeah, is an amazing. extreme Christian, an extremist, right? It's because she has dared dared to question uh, this idea and, and to roll back the progress that has been made by this community over the years. It's absurd. And to call for and to call for parents to be involved in the rearing of their children. I mean, somehow that's dangerous. What really is dangerous is the belief that government is to step in the role of parents and to push parents aside. The government knows better than parents do. That's what's uh, frightening. But underneath all of this really is the uh, hatred for religion, a hatred for Christians, in spite of the fact that our Constitution says that there, there cannot be a religious test required for qualification for any kind of public office in the United States. And yet that really is what we're seeing here, is it not? This is a religious test. We don't like your religion. We don't like what you believe. So you're disqualified. Isn't that really what's taking place here? It is absolutely what's taking place. And they are they are advocating for their belief system and the faith that they have That's right. in the beliefs that they hold about the human person, right? And about the, the fact that in their world there is no God, right? These are the these are the the positions that they proclaim as as reasonable and acceptable for all people. You know, that's very much a belief system. And so if you're going to counter that kind of belief system, it's going to require people of faith to answer the call to serve. And I'm very grateful that parents like Sonia Shaw, brave, incredible women like Sonia Shaw are standing up and answering this call. We need more of them. And I think we will have more of them as time goes on. And I'll just say thank you to every everyone that stands up to serve. I agree with you, Meg. You know, and all this, it, it, it ultimately results in viewpoint discrimination. Uh, and, and isn't the left supposed to be about diversity? I mean, they're all about diversity, <laughs> they say. But when it comes to conservative or Christian opinions, there's no diversity at all. But we shouldn't be surprised. This is coming from the party that kicked God out of their platform. Now they want to kick God out of public service. Meg Kilgannon, Thank you so much for always keeping us informed on these critical issues. You're a champion. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Thank you, Jody. All right, friends, stay tuned for more Washington Watch after the break. We're going to continue this discussion about how the left is increasing its attacks on Christians who are engaging in the process. You don't want to miss what's coming straight your way, and we'll get to it on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch in this Friday edition. I'm your Friday host, Jody Heiss, and we welcome you aboard. All right, as I've discussed here on Washington Watch, uh, we have a pretty critical time right now. Pro-abortion radicals are trying to present your elected officials in Washington, D.C., both in the House and the Senate, with a false choice. And the choice is this. They say uh, our elected officials must either vote for taxpayer-funded abortion or vote against the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA. This is a an annual military funding bill that's considered, and it is, a must-pass bill. And it's filled right now. It has the potential of being filled with some pro-abortion uh, uh, riders in it. And so our elected officials are being told either go with abortion or go against the military. But listen, we need you to step up right now and help us. We need you to contact your elected officials now and ask them to weigh in before the NDAA is finalized. Tell them, let them know that taxpayer-funded abortion is unacceptable. We're going to ask you to call the Capital Switchboard number for your representative. That number is 202-224-3121. You see it right there on your screen, 202 224 3121. And help us out with this. Uh, this is a, a big deal, and it's unprecedented to use something as important as the NDAA to push radical left wing abortion policies. And we need to stop this ASAP. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, mentioned before the break, the left is mad again that Christians are engaging in politics. This morning, in fact, the DC based Politico magazine ran a nearly 6,000-word excerpt. In fact, I have it right here. For those of you who are viewing, you can see it. This 42-page article, 42 pages, nearly 6,000 words that Politico put out this morning, warning about the dangers of scary Christians involved in politics. And again, it's 
Uh, they, they use a lot, and we've seen this, the left, their uproar over Christian nationalism. Well, now it seems like the new buzzword that they're peddling is theocracy, that we need to be scared of all these Christians who are trying to instill a theocracy in our country. And as always, the intent of these type of pieces is both to gin up fear among the left, but at the same time to discourage faithful Christians from engaging in the culture through the political process. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Chad Conley. He's the founder of Faith Wins, and he is one of the primary subjects of this hit piece that came out today in Politico. So, Chad, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to have you. Hey, Jody. Great to see you, brother. I appreciate you. Man, it ain't quite nothing like uh, waking up and having Drudge Report and Politico calling you bad names. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I've had them call me bad names so many times I can't count. But to be honest with you, you win getting 42 pages. Uh, (laughs) I'm just stunned at the length of this thing. And you were one of the primary targets in this. And I guess in reality, Chad, we don't need to uh, dwell too much on the specific political piece today, but rather the bigger picture of what uh, the left attempts to do within the framework that they have right now, Christian nationalism uh, and what they now are seemingly moving towards theocracy. Uh, give us your your picture, your take on all of this. You know, it's amazing. People who will acknowledge they don't know our Lord, don't love the Lord, don't can barely find a church with a flashlight. And uh, the guy who wrote the article I spoke to in the interview says he's a believer. And I asked him if he spent quite as much time chasing down the liberal churches that had always told people exactly how to vote. And we don't, we never have. Or if they chased down the churches who are busy hanging BLM or pride flags off the side of it as they did chasing down people who are just trying to teach Christians to be biblical Christians. And I asked him that question, Jody, You know, how do we as Christians become the salt and light that Jesus commanded us to be if we're not voting, if we're not being informed, and if we're not voting biblical values? And I think what happened that night when he came to my meeting, we had like 700 people in a church in Dayton, Ohio on a Tuesday night. You know, everybody would go, that's fantastic. And I think there were 50 or so pastors there, and it was just a really good event. And we're interviewing in the vestibule. He he never listened to my talk, didn't listen to David Barton's, of course. And this guy walks through with a Trump hat. And one guy out of 700, 750 people, he says, see, doesn't that bother you that you're contributing to the division that is in America? And I said, look, man, you found one Trump hat out of 750 people on a church on a Tuesday night? I said, I saw a Packers hat a little bit ago, too. We're in Ohio. Isn't that blasphemous to be wearing a Green Bay Packers hat? And so I think the bigger picture here is exactly what you said, what Tony's been talking about. This is all meant to be a diversion and to make Christians put their heads down. Well, I got to tell you, I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged. I think when you're over the target, that's when the flat comes. They start firing at you. And we're clearly over the target because I believe there's an awakening going on among God's people, Jody, that has, I believe it's the the best awakening you've seen in a long time. And our buddy David Barton even feels like this. there's a spiritual awakening going on. Christians everywhere are saying, I've got to be involved. I've got to be informed. Absolutely. And it is in the midst of this effectiveness that light, uh, the light of the gospel and the truth of God's word has, when it starts making an impact, these people don't know how to deal with it. Their only response is attack, attack, attack. Uh, And that's one thing I love about you, Chad. You refuse to surrender to that. You refuse to wave a white flag, just as we here at FRC as well. We're just not going to wave a white flag at this. Salt and light, by virtue of the entire discussion and teaching of Jesus, is impossible without being engaged. We have to engage this thing, and now more than ever. Let me ask you this. The the left, and I brought this up a while ago, but I want to specifically get your reaction to this. this. The the, the left repeatedly has uh, actually failed, I believe, to define what they mean by Christian nationalism. I know I got hit on the media one time in Congress, and they were asking me about this, and I asked them to define it, and I said, what do you mean by that? And, of course, they stumbled all over themselves and couldn't get there. They repeatedly 
fail to give a definition of uh, Christian nationalism, they seem now to be shifting to the word theocracy. Is this in your, are you hearing more of this? Is this their new scare term, if you will? Yeah, I think so too. And I, I've taken the same tack you have, Jody. I always turn around and say, what, what do you mean by that? Can you define that for me? Because they can't. And I, I tell them, look, I'm, I'm trying to get people to be biblical Christians, and we ought to be biblical Americans. And, you know, Jesus, when he says to be salt and light, Jody, he says, if you're not going to be salt and light, you are worth worth nothing, good for nothing to be thrown in the street and trodden before the feet of men. I, I love your track and how you handle that. That's what I do is ask them a question. And when you turn that back on them, they don't know how to define it. And, you know, the, the whole argument about a theocracy, nobody I've ever been around ever in any of the Christian space leadership, the discussions about God's role in America. Nobody ever talks about this is the only way. But the fact of the matter is God's role in America is irreplaceable. We wouldn't have religious liberty. We wouldn't have the freedoms. You know, what God's role did in our nation was to create the freest, most successful nation in the history of mankind, where more people can go from where they are to where they want to be based on their effort, their work, their desire, their will to win, if you will. And so God's role in America has set us apart to make us an exceptional nation. And the fact is, they have to call names because they don't know how to deal with that. They don't want to be in the competition, and they want to push us down by calling names. Man, I love debating liberals because as soon as you start debating them, they'll call you names. And my, my pat answer is, goodness gracious, I knew that I would win this on the facts and on the truth and in the public arena. I didn't know you'd give up so quick and start calling names. Is that really all you have? And so my take on it is always to turn it on them and to let them know they don't even know what they're defining. Can you at least tell me what you're talking about? And they really don't. Newt Gingrich told me something one time, Jody, uh, you know, a fellow Georgian of yours. He said, you know, Chad, the media is lazy and they'll find a story. They don't have to dig. They don't have to research. They'll repeat a story and cite that story as their proof. And then they'll say, well, you know, this guy wrote about it, and they don't even know if that guy did the study. And I just don't think 99,000 out of 999,001 could tell you why in the world uh, this is being used except to discourage Christians. Absolutely. Well, I don't know if you were able to see it earlier in the program. We had Congressman Andy Harris from Maryland on with us, and rather jokingly, but uh, I, I mentioned that you were going to be on the program a little bit later on, and I said, Andy, you've been here in Washington for a good long while. Is there any indication or any movement whatsoever that would make anyone believe that Washington, D.C. is about to become a theocracy? And, of course, he chuckled and said, uh, no, that's not about to happen. And yet that is the, the false narrative, and they use it to create fear. So the left seems to be trying to establish some sort of false dichotomy, if you will, between being a Christian and being a citizen. Uh, in yeah. fact, I, was, I, I remember this vividly in 2017. In fact, we have a clip here. I want to pull this up. Clip three, if you okay. guys will prepare this for you. And and I'd like to get your reaction to this. This is how the left feels about Christians believing what they say they actually believe. Let's play clip three. And uh... You think your statement that you put into that publication, they do not know God because they've rejected Jesus Christ, the Son, and they stand condemned? Do you think that's respectful of other religions? Senator, I wrote a post based on being a Christian and attending a Christian school that has a statement of faith that speaks clearly with regard to the centrality of Jesus Christ and salvation. I would simply say, Mr. Chairman, that this nominee um, is really not someone who is what this country is supposed to be about. I remember that vividly, <laughs> Russ Vogt, and and that was not all that Bernie Sanders said. It got worse than that. I'm sure you remember it as well, Chad. Uh, give me your reactions to that. You know, uh, Russ came and spoke at a conference you and I have been a part of and, uh, and cited that very story. And, you know, what's really sad about it, Jody, is somebody in an elected official position like a Senator Sanders is not even familiar enough 
with biblical history, with American history, to understand the undergirding that Russ Vault was referring to there. That that's what's sad is they don't bother to find out what you know what God's role was, what the founders said. They've uh, immediately discounted it because it doesn't fit their own narrative. And the, the truth of the matter is, when we have that foundation of Jesus as our Savior, it is the freest, most available, most open opportunity for the, everybody the entire world to be a part, and America has only proven it over and over again. And when somebody in a high position like Bernie Sanders goes through that epistle to try to undermine a candidate's uh, uh, credibility like he did in that hearing, it really tells you it's an indictment on Sanders, not on Russ Vault. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to that, I refer again to this Politico uh, article, 42 pages. Well, one of the things they come after you is really what you're, you're an expert on America's Christian heritage, our, our Christian history and our founding and so forth. And they come after you for that. Uh, and, uh, you know, you've always been outspoken about our nation's Christian founding and history, but the left insists to go against truth and try to paint a picture of America as evil or uh, whatever. Why do they do this? You know, I, I'm, it's so sad. And the real thing, when you look at like a, a David Barton that spent 40 years collecting factual documentation, they own 160,000 pieces of American documentation, original sourcing, 120,000 before 1812. I think they do it because they so hate the idea of freedom. They, they believe that they're elites they're smarter than you and I. You know, you peons need to sit in the corner. We'll tell you what to think. We'll tell you what your opinion is. They don't like the idea of freedom. They believe that they've cornered wisdom. We know the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, Jody, you and I know from biblical truth, you don't even get wisdom. You can have knowledge, but you don't get wisdom without the fear of the Lord. So these people don't even have that foundational aspect of the fear of the Lord that gets them to the level of wisdom. So they're going to use their knowledge, you know, as we make a joke in South Carolina, the PhDs piled high and deep is they, they'll pile, pile all their knowledge high and deep with here's what we know. And they feel enlightened and they feel like we've got this special bit of knowledge. It's not unlike the new age movements, the Gnostics, the, the, the atheists of way back when trying to discount the truth of the Bible. When you and I know the Bible has been nothing but proven over and over and over again. I've been to Israel, bless those people's hearts. I pray for them daily. Uh, you know, Tony and I did that show here in South Carolina about Israel, been there twice in the last uh, 16 months. But the truth of the Bible comes out when you go to Israel and argue just only confirm the truth of the Bible. They don't deny it, and they don't find things that diminish it. They find things that prove it out. And so, look, uh, me, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're imperfect people. We're not, we're not perfect either, but we're saved, and we're forgiven. And uh, I believe that a man hung on a tree for me and for you, and uh, that God became a uh, flesh and bone, and and He came here and walked the earth and lived a sinless life and took away the sins of the world. And I believe that's the most open opportunity in the history of mankind. And I believe only reason people would discount that and diminish it and deny it is they can't accept the truth of it because it's just so simple. Absolutely. Chad Conley from Faith Winds, always an honor to speak with you, my brother. God bless you. Keep the torch ablaze. And thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Hey, honor's mine. I'll see you soon in deep sea. God bless you. Merry Christmas, Jody. God bless you. Thank you. All right, friends, that wraps up this week in this edition of Washington Watch. This is the time for all of us to stand, to stand on the word, to stand courageously. God has us in the palm of his hand. All right. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.